Greetings and welcome back to a special episode of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. My name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, I have the uh, phenomenal opportunity to sit down with my sister, Dr. Beth Rosenberger. Um, she has her MD and PhD. She's someone I greatly respect more than she knows. I've learned um, so much from her. Um, is uh, She'll share in the podcast when I get to come back to the United States. I get to work um, with her in her practice, and um, I share with my patients when I go in the room. Um, she has more knowledge in her pinky probably than I have in my whole body. And um, her brain is phenomenal. She can tell you what par- paragraph, what page. And um, she just uh, she started a practice, built a practice um, from the ground up. And if anybody has any idea um, what it takes to, to run a business and also to be the doctor and to know um, in her practice, I share frequently, we're all dispensable except her. Um, she's the, She can do it all. She can do it all in the practice and um, greatly admire her, love her. She's been a huge supporter of Heather and I and our family um, as we've been involved in missions um, in these last uh, 18 years. So it was uh, when I, she wrote a blog post, you know, I often share in the beginning of the podcast that one of the sponsors of the podcast is uh, Appalachian Spring Dermatology and that's, um, that's Dr. Rosenberger and, uh, and she writes a blog and in the blog post came up um, this time about her decision to get the vaccine. Um, our families have had run-ins um, with COVID and as those um, circles and rings got closer and closer to our families, um, we had to make decisions of what we were going to do. And um, as medical professionals, we were given the opportunity to to get the vaccine if we wanted it or not. And um, as I share in the podcast, the last thing a medical professional wants to do is give a virus to one of their patients. The last thing that a medical professional wants to do to someone that's coming to them for care is for them to get sick from them. And so, you know, Beth and I both made the decision that that is the last thing we would want to happen. And, um, and so for the good of the patients and the people we treat, we wanted to be vaccinated to take every step and every effort to prevent that from happening. So both in her and I have have got the Moderna vaccine, and we'll allude to that in the podcast. Um, and we're not trying to convince you. We're not trying to say that, hey, we made the decision and this is the best decision and you need to be like us. That's not at, at all what we're trying to do. But what we are trying to do is to give... Um, factual based information. And um, so you can make your decision. That's, I think everyone should be able to make their decision when it comes to this COVID vaccine. My hope is, is they're basing their decision on facts. I would always want someone to make the decision based on, um, based on facts rather than maybe something they heard in the media or whether um, something their friend um, um, shared. I heard Dr. Collins, um, who's the head of the NIH and he shared on a, in an article in another, um, uh, video I listened to in preparation for this podcast. And um, he shared um, from Philippians chapter four, which I thought was, uh, you know, it was phenomenal application to where we're at. Philippians chapter four, verse eight, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And that's the purpose and the reason that I'm doing this special episode. I know that I'm entering into to waters that I could, we could easily be criticized and um, that people could um, have differing opinions, um, specifically when we get into the, the subject about the um, using fetal cells um, from, from abortions that had taken place in the past. Um, also, know when it comes to the vaccine, it's a hot topic. Um, and I know that my, my goal is not to, uh, to convince you to go one way or the other. My goal is for this podcast is to take someone who's knowledgeable, sit down with her and um, ask her some questions and so that you'll have scientific 
factual information to make the decision that you make. And um, so I, I hope that you'll hear the heart behind this. This comes from a heart of caring and a desire for one, for you to be able to respond um, as leaders. It's when people ask you about the vaccine, you'll be able to respond in a way that you'll be, you'll feel um, uh, like it's based on, on solid scientific facts. And then you can walk through some of the ethical issues that are coming with this vaccine and how um, people um, decide. And so they can have the, the, the decisions made, um, the information so they can make a decision for them and their family. So there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here again today with uh, a special guest, my sister and um, great friend, um, Dr. Beth Rosenberg. And Beth, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Um, Could you just take a minute or two and introduce yourself um, to the audience? Well, I'm Aaron's sister. That's my biggest claim to life. (laughs) Um, (laughs) As he said, we're great friends, and so this is fun. Um, But I'm also a little bit shy, so when he asked me to speak or talk to him about this, I'm like, me? Why do you talk to me? (laughs) So so I am a dermatologist in Fairmont, West Virginia, um, where I have a private practice where we see patients every day. And when Aaron is home on sabbatical, he practices here at our practice as well. Um, and that's extra fun as well. So I um, went to school undergrad in West Virginia. Then I did my MD and my PhD at West Virginia University. And then I did my um, residency at Washington Hospital Center, which is now part of Georgetown University in Washington, D.C., and then came back to Fairmont, where my husband um, lived his whole life, and so that's how we ended up opening up a practice back here. She she breezed over the MD PhD part really quick, uh, <laughs> but that is, uh, and she's not gonna she's not gonna brag on herself, but I'll brag on her. Um, that is something that is very uncommon. Many times doctors will have their MD, but you very rarely for a doctor to have a MD and a PhD at the same time. And so while neither Beth or Dr. Rosenberg or however she wants me to refer to her on this podcast, well, Beth, is uh, fine. <laughs> Beth is fine. Neither of us um, are a virologist, immunologist, or um, vaccine developers. Um, Beth <laughs> is significantly um, equipped to talk to this subject. And the purpose of this as we, as we let in is not to convince you um, to take the vaccine or not, but it is so that you'll have the truth and um, the facts that is she's researched and put together many times. Um, Beth supports the podcast and I lead into her blog and uh, share that. And in her blog this um, past week, she shared the research that she had done on the vaccine. And um, anyway, I just thought, well, I'd love to have the conversation. And I've realized as missionaries in Africa, I was in a, in a car the other day with a, a, a Kenyan man and he was asking me all kinds of questions. And I thought, I'm gonna, we're going to need to be prepared to answer these questions rather than um, just thoughts and opinions, what facts could we give. And so I, I got home and I got a little bit of sleep and then sent, a, sent an email to, or Max a message to Beth to see if she'd be willing to have this conversation today. And so for me, um, before we lead in, um, yeah, I think we, I've had the Moderna vaccine uh, myself and um, Beth has also put on her blog that she's also 
also had um, the vaccine. So I had the Moderna, both, I had the Moderna right, as well. Right. So we've both taken the vaccine and obviously that gives you some idea into what we think about the vaccine. But at the same time, um, she did a phenomenal job. So Beth, the first question I have for you is how do vaccines work? Well, vaccines in general stimulate your body to make your body think that you've had a virus so that it develops protection against that virus. That's a pretty simple answer. Um, but in the past, almost all vaccines, um, with the exception, I think, of hepatitis B vaccine, almost all vaccines, they give the actual virus. Now, sometimes the virus is live, um, so it's actual live virus, but in lower doses. And then in a lot of cases, the virus is inactivated or killed. And so, you know, when I wrote, I write my blog just like I talk to patients about things. So it's not always the most formal or the most technical, but it's just how I talk to patients about things. And so, you know, I said, what person after we've been in this pandemic in their right mind is going to say, yeah, inject me with virus, whether the virus is live or killed. None of us are going to, nobody's going to volunteer for that. And so, you know, it's really amazing and remarkable and tremendous that um, this new vaccine works a little bit differently. So, um, as I mentioned, um, in the case of the hepatitis B vaccine, they actually just give a portion of the virus. It's actually not the whole virus. Um, but the problems with that is that sometimes the body attacks it. It's hard to get it in well. Um, so this new virus uses a technology of messenger RNA, which we can talk a little bit more about. Yeah. So, so what I hear you saying is, is there's no actual part of the virus in, in, in the, in the, in the vaccine. Yeah. So the new vaccines uh, so far, uh, the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine, both of them do not have active or killed virus. So there's not actual virus in the new vaccine. Um, and so that's the nice part about it. So you don't have to worry that you're actually going to get Right. the disease from the virus. So for instance, one of um, my kids, you can cut this part off if you want, but one of my kids, um, when they had their uh, chicken pox vaccine, they actually got chicken pox, like the virus, they got a rash, chicken pox rash at the site of the vaccine, right? Yeah. Because it's actually a virus. It is for sure. So, anyway. So you talked about um, how this vaccine, the vaccines are working. And um, one of the things I thought was really insightful for me, because you put it is just as you shared. That's why I valued the blog post, because it was it was technical, but not so technical that we couldn't understand it. And so you shared about this DNA, RNA and messenger RNA. Now, I think that's important because there's, you know, conspiracy theories or thoughts going around that if you take this this vaccine, it's going to alter your DNA. And that's the goal of this vaccine is to alter your DNA. So could you share just a little bit about DNA, RNA and messenger RNA? Yeah. So, um, and I, you know, when I write a blog post, I sort of search around, I sort of write things and then I search around for sources that explain things maybe even a little bit better than I do. Um, and so I actually even quote a site on, in the blog post, um, that I thought explained it really well, but, uh, the DNA is sort of our, you know, major code, right? It's our, what we're born with. It's what we have. And it is our, in the building blocks and the nuclear of all of our cells okay and the DNA when it wants to when it wants to send a signal out 
through the cell, throughout the body, uh, produces RNA. And it, the, on the blog post, it talks about the difference between DNA and RNA and all those things. Um, it sends out RNA. There are three different types of RNA. And the type that they're utilizing in this particular vaccine is what's called messenger RNA or mRNA. And the messenger RNA goes out into the cytoplasm of the cell and then triggers the cell to produce a protein. Yeah. So I like to think of it like it's a recipe. So mm-hmm. The messenger RNA is just the recipe. It's injecting mm-hmm. a recipe. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not going to change who you are and it's not going to permit. It actually doesn't even give you what you need. It's just injecting a recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's really how it works. So in this case, the messenger RNA is a recipe for a spike protein, which is a protein that's on the outside of the cell that helps the virus enter um, human cells. So it's a spike protein that is really important um, in the virus and um, it triggers your body to make spike protein. Spike protein only, not the virus, not, you know, nothing contagious, nothing infectious, nothing harmful, just spike protein. Yeah. And so- And so then when, okay, go ahead. No, no, you're good, you're good. Yeah. So then once your body makes a spike protein, then then your body thinks, oh, there's something here I have to protect against. So there's generally two different types of immunity, B cell immunity and T cell immunity. So the body starts by making antibodies to attack the spike protein. And those are what we can, those are made by your B cells. There's two main types of immune cells, B cells and T cells. So B cells make antibodies. So the antibodies are what we can measure on the antibody tests that are commercially available now. So that's the type of immunity we can actually measure. And what they're measuring is, is the body making antibodies to the spike protein? Okay, so did the body get the recipe either naturally or um, by vaccine for the spike protein and did it make an antibody to it? So then the other type of immunity is T cell immunity. Now we don't really have ways of measuring T cell immunity to the virus, um, but it is believed that it plays an important role as well. So does the RNA, the messenger RNA, what I heard you say is it doesn't go into the nucleus of the cell because in the nucleus of the cell, that's where the DNA is making the copies and, but the RNA is not, not the messenger RNA is not going in and and changing that. Is that correct? It does. It doesn't. And as a matter of fact, the actual messenger RNA that's injected doesn't even stay in there very long. Yeah. It does its job and then it's degraded. Yeah. So it's not even in there very long. And you know, that's one of the reasons why this technology of messenger RNA, although they've been working on it in laboratories for many, many, many years, that's why it hasn't really come to fruition very much because they had to work really hard at getting that messenger RNA in without it being degraded first. Because what yeah. happens very quickly is the body degrades messenger RNA. Um, I don't know that they have a way of testing how long it lasts after they inject it, but it's not very long. Yeah. And so what you did, the other thing I think was a valid point you just shared, and you shared that in your blog is the, the, in your PhD studies and background, and even what you do in dermatology with different um, 
areas, messenger RNA is not something that started January 20th, January 2020. Um, the, the idea of messenger RNA and using it, the, it's been in science forever because I've heard people say, well, this is new. And it is true that there's never been a vaccine that has been in mass production using it. But the idea and the science behind messenger RNA is not something that just came about in 2020. Is that correct? Correct. I mean, I will tell you the best article that I read that had the history of messenger RNA. It was actually in Time magazine. I think it comes out this year or this month, um, with 2021. Um, and it has a great, it's a great article on the history of messenger RNA and how the, some of these vaccines were developed. Um, and it's a great article called how messenger RNA technology up in drug. Let me get the whole title. Um, actually, the, the actual title, sorry, is Messenger RNA Technology Gave Us the First COVID-19 Vaccine. It could also upend the drug industry because of now they know that they can use it for lots of things. They think they might use it in the future for cancer treatments and all kinds of things. So this is really revolutionary in a great way. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, but it, that particular article does a great history of both development of the vaccines and also just the development of use of messenger RNA for the medical. So, so side effects, um, you know, both you and I have had the vaccine um, and I've, I've said, well, you know, there's a lot of side effects to this vaccine in general, when you have a side effect, uh, a sore arm or a fever or something, that is a, in somewhat a sense, a desirous response. Because if you give a vaccine and there's no response, what you just shared was the messenger RNA would have meant it was degraded. The body didn't react to it and it disappeared. So, you know, I, I know when I got mine, my arm felt like a, uh, a WWE wrestler had punched me in the arm for about four or five days. At least let me know that my muscles had reacted to the injection and that they knew that was something there. So, we cannot give any med. I mean, I shouldn't say any medicine. Very infrequently do you take a medicine or a treatment that there's not a risk for side effects. Um, yeah. And so that is a concern with people is side effects um, from medication. How do you walk patients through that idea of weigh, weighing the risk versus the benefit of any treatment? Um, and in this case would be a vaccine. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you about, you know, there should be some response. So same way, my arm was sore, probably only for a day or two. I'm pretty in tune with my body. So I would say I was only 90% the next day. I wasn't running right. 100%. Right. And um, I lately, when I get a, a vaccine, I get a big lymph node in my neck, which alarmed me the first few times it happened. But I think my wise brother said, that just means you're having a good response to the <laughs> Uh, I think the last three vaccines I've had that's happened. So, um, but you know, that's the thing with everything in medicine. So I really try really hard in my practice um, for even a lot of very simple things to say, okay, here are your options. And it sometimes annoys patients because they say, well, just tell me what to do. And I yeah. said, okay, well, if it were me, this was what I would do. Right. Um, and I think the same thing applies to the vaccine. I think still people need to, they need to be an educated consumer, you know, yeah. and, but when you weigh vaccine yeah. versus death, right. I think vaccine is a good choice. Yeah. Now, not everybody might not agree with my choice, but right. when you talk about risks, right. death, right. which is a very real risk with this virus right. um, versus benefit life. Yeah. Yeah, no. To me, it's it, an easy choice, but it's not an easy choice for everybody. And I think the the lack of an easy choice is 
social media right. um, and media as a whole doing lots of things out of proportion um, yeah. and fear. You know, people yeah. are just afraid and yeah. this vaccines caused a lot of fear and people are just afraid. So I think the more you provide real knowledge, yeah. you know, I had a very similar conversation to the one we're having now with a patient and he said, it makes me feel a lot better, you know, yeah. because he just had heard so many bad things and nobody had ever explained to him that messenger RNA is like, just like a recipe and it's yeah. okay. You know, yeah. um, they were better with it. And even, you know, when you talk about side effects, I was, I got an article the other day, um, I think it was in MMWR, which is like reports of major things. Um, and in 4 million doses of the Moderna vaccine, there have been 10 cases of anaphylaxis. So when they're right. talking about anaphylaxis, which is an allergic response to a vaccine where you get or vaccine or any medicine, you can get right. a lot anaphylaxis to bee sting, um, just for general knowledge for people. So that's when you have trouble breathing, you get a rash. Right. Also. So out of 4 million doses, they've had 10 cases. Yeah. <laughs> and five of those were in people who are known to have anaphylaxis to other things. Right. So these side effects, you know, major side effects, and there was no deaths from anaphylaxis. Right. Um, it's scary, but it's an easily treated thing. Um, these side effects are pretty rare. Yeah. No, it's true. So moving on, one of the other, as I sat in the um, van with a, uh, a new friend the other day, he was beginning to ask the question about um, the vaccine and um, aborted fetuses. And um, as Christians, you and I are both, I, we, we're both strong in our faith and we, you know, different people have different stance. But the question of, can I take this and are these vaccines really made with aborted fetuses? And that came up. So, and that's one thing you addressed in your, your blog post. Could you just share a, a little bit about that? Yeah, um, and I will be very honest, um, a lot of what I learned initially about the issue with abortive fetuses, um, I heard on a Focus on the Family podcast. They do a great job uh, addressing this. You might be able to put a link to that in the show sure. notes. We'll do. Um, they do a wonderful, wonderful job with that. So, unfortunately, in medicine, you have to test things on something. And before we test them in humans, we test them in animals. And before we test them in animals, we test them in stuff. And so the both the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine were tested initially in some cells that were originally de de design, derived, I can't think of the word, derived from a aborted fetus. That is true. And there's nothing we can do to get around that. That's just how it is. Um, but in this case, there was one aborted fetus. And that one aborted fetus, the cells have replicated millions and billions of times. And that has probably been used on way more in medicine than just your vaccine. It's probably been used on a lot of medicines that you may have used or have taken. Um, but again, media has um, blown, blown, it, blown it out of proportion. And from a from a Christian standpoint and from a um, sociologic standpoint, you know, you don't necessarily approve of any use of aborted fetuses, but nonetheless, we have to test it, test it on something. And this is something that has been done in the past and done once. Um, so I feel comfortable from a medical standpoint and from a Christian standpoint, um, taking the, those vaccines. Now, there are some other vaccines in the pipeline that do use aborted fetuses to manufacture the vaccine, is my understanding. 
And I would feel less comfortable with that because that's requiring ongoing use uh, yeah, so that's that's one thing. Um, you know, as I was reading through the science, and I know you've done a lot of um, research, and then you know, both you and I have read the the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks, and that idea of where these cell lines come from, and so both the AstraZeneca and the Johnson and Johnson or Janssen vaccine both use aborted aborted fetus cells um, to produce that. But though those do come from two cell lines, I think one was the abortion took place in 1973, and the other one I think took place in 1982. And it's those cells that are on, that are replicating at all times. So there, there's not ongoing abortions that are using to make those vaccines. As I talked to the van driver the other night, he thought, well, they're taking the if somebody had an abortion in 2020, they're taking those cells and using it to make these vaccines. But rather those polypotential cells um, that came from those abortions, that one abortion in 1973, that one abortion in 1982 does not make that abortion right, it, in my opinion, my ethical opinion does not make that right. At the same time, they're using those cells and when you, and they are using those cells to make the AstraZeneca and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And so I think it's good to, just to clarify that and but at the same time, in Africa, where I live and am in now, most likely it's going to be the AstraZeneca and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine that's going to come here because it's a, it's a one-dose vaccine. You know what I mean? And those are those are made with the adenovirus and and that's the one that's they're cheaper and they're going to be more readily available. And then the ethical dilemma of what we do with that. And so I think that's the line between production and what I what you share in your blog post is production is would be the AstraZeneca and the Johnson and Johnson are actually using those that cell line from 1973 or 1982. And um, they're using those cell lines to actually produce it versus what you shared with the Moderna and the um, Pfizer vaccine used in the, the testing um, of the vaccine to see its effects. And so the other thing I thought that was really interesting as I did research for our time today was that many of the vaccines that I've taken in the past that did not know um, contained those cell lines actually did. And many of the, the missionaries like me who are working in Africa, vaccines that we've taken and readily taken um, did not know um, one. Of, and so anyway, you can do your research on that yourself. But most people that have went overseas and taken vaccines were using. Does that make it right? Am I validating? I'm not validating. What I am saying is it just opened my eyes to how much these fetal cell, these two fetal cell lines have been used. Um, and as you shared on the Focus on the Family podcast, they highlight that that there was these two lines that have been used in vaccines for a long time, um, over 50 years. And um, those those fetuses were not aborted or those babies were not aborted for purpose of, of creating vaccines, but they did take those cells and they've kept those cells and used them, as you shared, for testing on food, testing on chemicals, testing on a lot of things and uh, things that I didn't realize that I was using frequently, um, that those cells were being used. So it's, it is a, it is a difficult, a difficult situation and, um, an ethical one and, um, not one that you and I are trying to sway people in, but at the same time, just trying to give them the information so they can make a decision on their own, um, and, um, for their, for, and be able to respond in, with facts and truth rather than conspiracy theories and opinions. So just to wrap up, uh, um, Beth, is there anything you would that I questions I should have asked and didn't ask, or anything you think would be important um, as you you know as you, you would think for somebody listening in? No, I think 
Actually, I didn't know that even the ones that they were using in those two were that old of cell line. So yeah. that's actually good, good yeah. knowledge for me. Um, I just think the biggest thing, my, my big thing right now is, like you said in the beginning, we're not trying to convince or tell anybody to do anything. We just want to make sure that people have actual real science and real facts. Yeah. And... Be careful where you're getting your information from. Yeah. And in the end, you still have to make your own choice. Yeah. I joked in, in the beginning of my blog post, you know, it took me years of counseling to get to the point to realize that I can't tell everybody what they need to do. They have to make their own choice in life. <laughs> um, but in this case, I think when you consider the risk and the benefits for most people, yeah. choosing a vaccine is choosing life. Yeah. So. Yeah. And obviously we've, you know, our, we've, and the fact that we both got it sh- shows what we, what we uh, think. And honestly, we both work in the medical profession. And so neither of you or I would want to give, if we got COVID, right. we would not want to give it to a patient. You know I mean? We, we would not want to be, Hey, um, I, I went to see Aaron and Aaron gave it to me. You know, that's, that's one thing I think. The other thing is, is world travelers, it's hard to be a world traveler. I just, we just flew to Kenya and you got to get a test and, and get a test. And then it has to be in this amount of time and you land and you got to get scanned and you got to do this and this and this and this, all these steps. And so it, it I'm not saying is it is inevitable, but right now, I mean, you, we think uh, to come to Africa, you have to have the yellow fever vaccine. You don't have to, you don't have to have it, but by not taking it, you're making the choice not to come. You know, what I mean, <laughs> that's this. That's just the choice. You can't say, "Well, I'm not going to get it," and then I'm coming anyway. Well, they'll stop you at the, you know, at the at the entry and say, "Well, you you have the right not to take the vaccine." At the same time, you, we have the right to tell you you can't come in. And so, I'm not yeah. saying that's going to happen, um, but I am saying with this one, it, it'd be very easy to see that that could 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 become the possibility in the future. So, yeah. Anyway. And I mean, those are things that you and the other missionaries, a lot of that might be listening to this podcast, are very familiar with. Yeah. But the average American living in West Virginia doesn't know that you say my my patients they right. don't know that you have there are places that if you want to enter a country you have to have a vaccine yeah. that seems a, it's a very foreign concept to many yeah. people and yeah. um again it, when you're looking at world health these right. are guidelines that have been put in place to try to keep more people alive yeah um so and I always say, people, you have the right to choose. Everyone has the right to choose. And at the same time, you choose the consequences or you choose the benefits or consequences from your choice. It's not saying you don't have a right to choose, but with that, you're choosing, you know, one way or the other. As Beth and I were wrapping up the podcast, one of the things we realized that we did discuss was the, um, the AstraZeneca vaccine. We didn't discuss, discuss in greater detail the AstraZeneca vaccine and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And I just want to take a minute because I think uh, those serving and working in Africa, those were the ones that we're probably going to be coming uh, more in contact with. And it'd be good to know to how to respond if questions are asked and how we can make a decision for where we're at. So the AstraZeneca or the Oxford, Oxford COVID-19 vaccine uses a ch- chimpanzee um, adenoviral vector. And that means it's basically it's taking it, as Beth has explained, um, it's taking some of that DNA and it's using that um, to deliver the instructions um, into the cell. So it it will know how to make um, immunity against the uh, 
against the, the COVID vaccine. And we've you've heard a lot talked about spike proteins and that, that's exactly what it's doing. And so it can, it carries the code. Um, so it can't, so our, our own cells can make this spike protein and it's using the altered DNA, but it doesn't use, uh, but it, that DNA is not able to um, change our DNA. So we did think it was very important to highlight that. Um, this doesn't cause permanent changes in our cell. The genetic code for who you are um, doesn't become a permanent part of our, of our DNA. But it is important to know that it, it is working in a little different um, a different, little different fashion. And so that one uses a, the AstraZeneca was using a, a, a an altered chimpanzee virus. And then the Johnson and Johnson one that we mentioned uh, quickly is also using a, a virus, um, adenovirus 26. And this is, you know, adenoviruses are common cold viruses. Um, we see and people get cold, cold and flu-like symptoms. And so what they've done is they've modified one of this adenovirus 26 so that it can enter cells and get deliver the code, um, but it can't replicate and um, it doesn't cause illness. And it, like I said, it doesn't, um, change our, our DNA. Um, DNA is not as fragile as fragile as RNA, and that's why um, it doesn't have to be kept as cold. We know the um, Pfizer and the Moderna, one of those things is, is hard as it's, it's, it has to be held colder. The Pfizer one, obviously a lot colder than um, the Moderna one, um, very cold, but th- that's the advantage of these AstraZeneca and the uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccines is the uh, DNA is not as fragile. And, you know, adenoviruses, they're, they're tough. Um, they're tough. They've learned they, <laughs> through time. They, they're protected, um, and that's that's part of it. And so it enters the cell. And I think it's just important to know. And what we wanted, I just wanted to come back and end this podcast just um, just by sharing those um, two important points before Beth um, will pray for us. Is the idea that um, these two vaccines we've talked about, Moderna and Pfizer, we talked a good bit about how they work with the mRNA, then the AstraZeneca and the Johnson and Johnson one that will probably be mo- more common um, in Africa. Maybe the other ones will, but at least as it looks now, will be more common. Those two type of vaccines, um, they're using this, they're using the DNA to deliver it into our cells so our cells can make the, um, the recognize um, the virus and doesn't genetically alter, um, but at the same time kind of delivers the instruction just in a different way. Beth, I appreciate you taking the time today. Would you pray for, we always end the podcast in prayer. Will you pray that God will use this podcast, that people will be able to use the truth that was shared to make the decision for them and their family. And God will give them wisdom that God will give them insight um, as they make this decision about this COVID vaccine. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this time, Lord, that we get to banter back and forth about topics that we're passionate about. And Lord, we just pray that you'll continue to use both of us, Lord, to serve you and to allow us to be your servants as we minister to patience and to those around us. Lord, just pray that you will give wisdom to every person, that they may make wise choices, not just about vaccines, but everything in life. Lord, we just thank you for your word and the, and the wisdom that it provides. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit that guides us. And just pray that continue to be with each of us, provide safety and health to those across the world who may be listening to this. Your name, amen. Amen. 